Well, hello there, and welcome back to The Fearless Show with Mark and Amber. We are so grateful that you are tuning in today. Uh, So we're going to do something a little different as we're reviewing a newly released documentary film called AKA Jane Roe. But before we get there, I just want to give a great big shout out and thank you to you. Yes, you. You who are listening at work and you know who you are because you you call me and tell me. (laughs) You in your car, you on your walk with the dog, you who are doing research. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. We've had several of you contact us and tell us about the episode that you've been listening to and hearing from you all makes us want to show up in bigger ways and bring you more content that you want to hear. So keep sending us messages and connecting with us. We're listening. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Fearless Podcast with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. We're back again. (laughs) Yes. I'm back off of, I I feel like I was quarantined last week. You were on leave. I was on leave. (laughs) (laughs) It was girl talk. I didn't really have much to add. Right. (laughs) I was in the room. but So last week we had a guest on the show, Serena Dykeson with She Found His Grace Ministry, and we had an interesting conversation uh, about hope and healing for post-abortive women. And over the weekend, this past Memorial Day weekend, there was a new documentary released and uh, we found it interesting. I mean, the both of us really love documentaries anyway. So I was really excited to watch it. The film is called AKA Jane Roe and it's about the Norma McCorvey story about the Roe v. Wade case that legalized abortion in the United States. So Mm -hmm. it was something I really was interested in. I think the trailer, the trailer at at first glance, I was excited to watch it because I thought, oh, yes, we get to see this this pro-life woman because I know that she came to Christ Mm -hmm. later in her life. And I knew just little bits of her story being the face of the abortion industry for so long. Mm -hmm. Um. I was excited to see it, but then my excitement sort of waned after I read a couple of articles before watching the film. So uh, we had a few people ask us if if we would watch the film and do a little review. So here we are. Yeah. So uh, let me back up first, because I wanted to ask you specifically your your discussion with um, Serena you said that there was one thing in particular that stood out and this kind of ties into what we're going to talk about with talking about somebody else's film, which is very odd for us. Right. But what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation with Serena? So Serena is post-abortive and she now, um, she's a founder of a ministry for women for healing post-abortive. And what I found just starkly interesting and, and, um, I, I think the realization that statistically one in four women in America have had an abortion. Now, I, I had to stop and, and think about, oh, my gosh, how many maybe women that I'm sitting next to at church? How many women in the grocery store? How many women at the coffee shop? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. If I look at one in every four there's a high likelihood and probability that I am sitting right next to someone who is hurting. 
and and has never shared sort of this unspoken deep dark secret because it's shameful and it's painful so that was that was really that that was really my biggest takeaway was this whole abortion discussion right and i think to add to that one of the things that we learned in our research for doing inward drive is that uh in addition to that high statistic for how many women nationally mm-hmm. have likely had an abortion, just statistically, that's what it works out to. But we saw when we were looking through the termination of pregnancy reports that a lot of times they're repeat customers. Yes. In fact, there was one woman that we saw who, how many abortions had she had? 10 and that, this yeah, was 10. She was working on her 11th. Yeah. yeah just basically being used as a form of birth control. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought Serena's, um, interview was, was very eye opening, and I really applaud her for the way that she's taking the tragedy that happened to her when she was really just still a child. I mean, she was 13, Mm -hmm. still very young, but she's, she's moved through that healing and now she's helping other women who have dealt with the same thing to find healing. Right. Turning that tragedy into triumph in the Lord. I mean, you know, Christ, Christ covers all of that. Exactly. So now speaking of tragedy, let's move, let's move on to talking about Norma, Norma McCorvey. And her story is very tragic. I mean, she was a very complex and complicated woman. Yeah, it's a sad story. Troubled. I mean, it constant. And, and I think that was the thing before I even watched it. You know, there were I had a few conversations with some people and I said, you know, just based on just based on reading some of the articles about this new documentary, you know, her supposed deathbed confession. And, um, you know, she she was in continual survival mode. And for people who don't understand that position, um it's it's really hard for them to wrap their minds around the sort of woman that Norma McCorvey was and in right. her real life, her, her personality. And it, it's hard for people to digest sort of the the hot and coldness of someone like that, because when you're in continual survival mode, that's all it is. Like, what do I need to do to get to the next step? And it's and it's always just just one step, one step at a time. It's never like this long term, big picture. Who am I going to be? It's a day to day survival mentality. Right. And I would, uh, I guess, add to that, backing up just a little bit and just that we're, we're film producers for filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Reviewing other people's films is not generally high on our radar. Oh my gosh, it's not the, something I like ever really wanted to ever do. Right. And it's not really it's not really what I want to do. In fact, when when Because here's the thing, we are artists and it, it, we're not trying to criticize. Right. We're we're just making an observation. Right. I think it's we we have a different perspective on it because there are what you find when you're and this is like this in anything, but in the film business and the music business there are the artists and then there are the critics Mm -hmm. and feedback, uh, constructive criticism from fellow artists is a lot more useful, I think, Mm -hmm. and a lot more constructive than someone who works at a newspaper, for example, and all (laughs) they do is watch movies and pick them apart. Right. They may be able to write well, but a lot of times they get, they get in their own minds that if the, 
it's, we always say, you know, those that can't criticize. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so I always shy away from being the guy who's criticizing something. So that's not what this is, but no. as believers and as people who have just come off of spending two years making a documentary film mm-hmm. about abortion, this is, we have an interesting perspective on this. Right. So, um, so I'm not trying to be overly critical. I am, I am, I'm not going to cut a, a whole lot of slack on a couple of these things, but <laughs> so you mentioned when we first watched the trailer. So I remember you had, you had seen it pop up in a social media feed and you said, Oh, we should, we should look at this. And we both watched the trailer. What was your initial reaction when you first watched the the teaser for the film? Well, I think I was initially excited because I'm like, oh, yes, another pro-life film. Right. And, you know, <laughs> I was a little duped. It's right. it's and I'll, I'll 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 spill the beans now. It's a total bait and switch. It if is you're a bait and if you're switch. looking for a pro-life film, this is not it. <laughs> yeah, if you're I, looking I would, for, I would suggest it would drive. Yeah, if you're looking for something that's if you're pro-life and you're looking for something to encourage you in the cause AKA Jane Rowe ain't the film. No, it is not. It is a bait and switch all the way. No. So I was, I was really intrigued when, when she said, I knew a little bit of, of Norma McCorvey's story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, for people who don't know, you know, like I said earlier, she is Jane Rowe of the Roe v. Wade case in 1973 Supreme Court that legalized abortion in America. So I knew that through her life, she became a believer. So I was really interested I, and I thought, oh, you know, because we had just spent two years making a documentary, diving deep into people's right. lives. I mean, it's really fascinating when you start to unpack all of the layers and the details and just to see who these people really are, because, you know, it lends a perspective to a lot of things and situations that a lot of us don't have or don't experience. So to have compassion on someone mm-hmm. and to understand where they're coming from, because we don't you know, a, a lot of our lives are sterilized, if you will. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't see these things every day. And to to add to that, you can't make a film about abortion and not know who Norma McCorvey is, right? And not have some element of her. I mean, there mm-hmm. there are some snippets of her in Inwood Drive. It's archival footage. Yep, it's talked about briefly, but that's not what Inwood is about. No, it's, it, you know, whenever you tell a story, you have to you have to decide what is the story I'm telling. And it picks up somewhere and it has a beginning and a middle and an end. And our story wasn't about Norma. So we didn't really study her a whole lot. The one that we studied was George Klopfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of complexities of his own that we've talked about in other, right. in other episodes. But um, I know for me, when, I, when we first watched the teaser, the first thing that, I, that caught me was the snippet, the clip from her being baptized Mm -hmm. and it, you know, so encouraging, right? She pops up out of the water and he, and he says, born again, Mm -hmm. you know, believer in Jesus Christ. And to me, I thought, Oh, I mean, it gave me hope. Right. And I was baited, Mm -hmm. but I'm also always very cautious. And one of the reasons why I was cautious about it, and I thought this looks great, but it's probably not what I think it is. And the reason is because we've it seen was, this before. Well, because we also know a film with a good message about pro-life is not going to show up on Hulu. It's not going to be <laughs> right. distributed by FX, right. right? It's just not. 
we'll go into that later and later we'll you know we can reveal some more details of that but we're still working through the details within wood drive but the suppression is real the bias is very palpable if you have a pro-life themed film the gatekeepers don't want it seen Mm -hmm. and so you know it was the same thing when a couple years ago when we watched the netflix film um, reversing row reversing row oh yeah and it was recommended by someone who's pro-life oh have you heard about reversing row you should watch that and so we watched it and in the end you go <laughs> what in the world was that field leftist propaganda film i mean it's awful yeah so anyway so let's go into aka jane Rowe. aka jane Rowe. so um initial thoughts on on norma norma um I, I don't I can't say a lot about Norma. Um, I I think that she was a very troubled woman. She had a, a, a painful past. And I think she just she lived her life. Yeah, is, is what I can say, because I know people like Norma is the thing. And, and just to love them and have compassion on them is all you really can do. Just continually show them Christ by your actions and your words and and just just how you walk with her right so to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit when and people i think intuitively know this but in the film business in the production world especially when you're looking at a script there's a there's a couple of rules of thumb one of them is the page a minute rule so when you're looking at a screenplay for example each page that you read should translate into roughly one minute of screen time Mm mm-hmm and so with that in mind, if you're looking for a, you know, an hour and a half long movie, you're looking for about a 90 to nine, you know, 85 to 95 page script. And when you sit down to read it, you're going to give it the 10 page test. You're right. going to read the first 10 pages. And first if you're minutes. hooked, mm-hmm. then you're on to something. Then you might come back and finish it later. Well, I can tell you they didn't do her any favors in the first 10 minutes. Right. So the first, and, and I think why well, I say people instinctively know this is, we all know that in the first 10 minutes of something, you're either going to keep watching it or you're going to turn it off. You're going to mm-hmm. go, eh, this is boring. Uh, so in the first 10 minutes, as a filmmaker, when you're telling a story, that's really where you lay out for your audience, this is what the story is about. And if you don't get that right in the first 10 minutes, then you're going to lose them later on. And, and so the first 10 minutes or so of... Norma's story with AKA Jane Rowe, describe, (laughs) go ahead and describe some of the elements that you. Well, they just, they made her out to be this crazy old senile woman in a nursing home. And I I mean, just. I I wrote down a couple of key words as we were watching it through. (laughs) My thoughts on Norma, sad, Mm -hmm. pathetic, Mm -hmm. ugly, Mm -hmm. lashing out, Mm -hmm. uh, quoting Shakespeare out of context in the park. Oh, very st- totally very random. strange very strange um calling everybody expletive so i'm not even gonna go down that path you know she she's she's swearing like a sailor mm-hmm. all the way through it she's obviously very ill she's smoking the whole time she has nothing on nice, oxygen yeah you know, on oxygen she has nothing nice to say about anybody and my thoughts after after the first 10 minutes and then were confirmed after we had watched it all the way through was 
this was a hit piece on Norma McCorvey. Mm-hmm. The whole point well, of the and, story. And, and, and Christians. And, and Christians, yeah. <laughs> I mean. The, the whole point of the story is, look at what a crazy old loon this woman was. Right. Um, and that's how you feel about her. In the end, you, you, you think, I don't even know. Like, you feel so sad for her. You feel angry. So the, the, whole, the whole plot of this is that they take you through Norma's story and incidentally all of the surrounding interviews are all very pro-abortion <laughs> very, very slanted except for flip the the one pastor yeah the operation rescue guy and um but they make him look a little nuts oh yeah as well oh yeah because what you, what you see is uh supposed christians bombing Right. Clinics. And I mean, they just they do everything they can to to just smear. Right. The the whole pro-life movement. Right. So so basically you go through the whole story and they show how Roe v. Wade came about. And and then they basically admit that she was basically abandoned by the pro-abortion crowd. Mm -hmm. And she even says that. Mm -hmm. And. They have support, you know, good, good research and supporting video and showing these things. And so you're watching it going, well, I don't really, this kind of confirms, you know, they're, they're, they eat their own and I don't like them. And well, then, then it turns and she then turns on the pro-life crowd and supposedly then at the end made a turnabout and said, well, I don't like the pro-lifers and they used and abused me. And... And th- but the thing is, I think you have to realize, and I think a lot of people don't understand this if if they are not in the production world or mm-hmm. editing editing things together, right. because I could, I could tell watching the film, there were several spots where things were clearly taken out of context. Oh, yeah. You can tell by the inflection of her voice and just how it was cut together. I'm not really sure which um, questions she was answering when her answers were tied together mm-hmm. in context of, um, you know, calling, supposedly calling all of the pro-life people a-holes. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, she there there were too many discrepancies for me, you know, right. <laughs> having just done this. Uh, there were just there were too many discrepancies to say this is what she was actually talking about. Right. So let me illustrate it. it is, as uh, as we've heard in Sunday school classes, my dad has said many times over when talking about scripture, a text without a context is a pretext. Exactly. So it is when you're dealing with all these elements, when you interview a bunch of people for a film. And I have to I have to point out. Um, there's a couple of things that I've I've read and heard the you know the 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 pro-lifers um you know screaming about and saying well this and this and kind of making these accusations and i i want to just caution them that uh, unless you're actually in the industry and you understand the intricacies of of how some of these things work be careful of what you're accusing various Mm -hmm. you know players in this of the fact that Norma was interviewed because she died about four years ago. I think she so. died in 2017. I, I know that they recorded it. They, you know, on in the film it said 2016. So yeah, um, I think it was it was short. I mean, they show her funeral in the right. in there. So 
Right. You know, I could do a quick Google, so she's, Google search. So she had, she had been interviewed many years ago. And then, you know, you look at it and say, well, why did it take so long for all of this, for this whole thing to come out? Well, I can explain to you. I mean, I'm not the director and I, I don't know, but I've done this for over 30 years and I just know how this goes. A film like this was, was likely independently produced. So uh, that means that it was not financed initially by Hulu or FX, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was started independently with independent money. So an investor or, you know, maybe Vice Media was part of that. I don't know. But t- to to say, well, this is how FX as a network has always been. Well, FX picked it up, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they had anything to do with it when it first started. And the reason I know that is just because of simple economics. If it was them, they would have had it, they would have churned it and had it out two, three years ago. Right. They're not going to sit on something that long. No, absolutely not. You can't afford to. You have to have your product moving. So to look at it as a targeted smear campaign? Yeah. I mean, that's fair to say. Um, Whenever you're watching a film, and especially documentaries, there's... There's a fine line as an editor that you're walking there between, um, you know, trying to keep things in context and then trying to keep the story moving along. So you're going to, you're going to edit stuff when people look and go, well, you know, why can't we see the whole interview? Well, if I showed you the whole interview, you would be bored. You know, Mm -hmm. my job is to tell a story and that means I have to selectively cut things in and out. Right. Um, that's the, that's the job of the storyteller. And what, but when you're editing, I can make anybody say anything Oh, sure. in an edit mm-hmm. and the tools are so advanced. Now you can, you can take people so out of context and it's so easy. And I don't think people think about it, but I'll just point out whenever you hear a voice, but you're not seeing that person talking. You don't know what context it's in. Mm-hmm. They could have taken and strung a whole sentence together from five different sections of three different interviews. Mm-hmm. You can make it match. You can, you know, there, there's ways with the audio to make it sound like it all goes together and, and to smooth things out. And if I've cut away to a shot of something else, you don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's a lot of that in this film. And this is where oh, I, yeah. this is where I start to break with, I I'm, I'm very careful not to, not to criticize someone as an artist, but in the case of this, you don't get, you don't get a free pass because look, I made a film that looks nice and I shot it in, you know, with a red camera or an Aeroflex. I don't care. Everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. What did you do with the story? Mm-hmm. And I think what you did with the story, and I'm talking about the director and, and the producers, what you did with the story, very obviously, is you smeared a dead woman. Right. What I feel, what I feel about Norma at the end of this is, I don't believe her. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem: you set up the whole beginning of the film is that she's crazy, and then you didn't elevate yourself or your own cause. They admit in the film that she was basically cast aside by the pro-abortion crowd. Right. There was no trying to, uh, you know, win her back, anything like that. 
it was, oh, well, she left. Well, let's just, I guess she turned into one of those crazy Christians. You know, and I think that's what's the, the interesting thing, having just done um, the documentary ourselves in Wood Drive and seeing who who was it that stuck with George and walked with George even up to his death? It was the Christians. And in Norma's case, it was the same thing. Um, you know, it was it was the Christians who stayed by her side. I remember I, I remember seeing um, or listening to uh, Kristen Hawkins podcast with Father Frank. Exactly. And he got text messages from her the day they were, were interviewing her for this documentary film. Yeah. I, and I would add, yeah, definitely. If you haven't if you want some context for this. Go and listen to what is her podcast called? Uh, uh, Students for Life. Explicitly pro. Oh yeah, explicitly pro life. Thank Kristen you, Kristen Hawkins, and yeah. she interviewed Father Frank Pavone, who is the leader of Priests for Life, mm-hmm. and he had a personal relationship with Norma for over twenty years. Yeah, but you didn't see him in the film. But you didn't see why, him interview. Why didn't in the they? Film. Why didn't they ask him? Maybe they right. did. Maybe he declined. I don't know. It could be, but uh, uh, he gives a balance. That is sorely missing from. Well, I this think film. it's the same balance that we knew after watching it. Yes. that was was desperately needed because exactly. they're like, I don't think so. Exactly. You know, just just knowing the cuts where they were and how things seemed so out of place and mm-hmm. out of context, we're going. I'm not sure how much of this I actually believe. Right. And I would point out too that um, that the people who are who are making all of the decisions editorially and and from a directing standpoint the filmmakers it doesn't hurt to look up their track record and right. and this is again where I'm or I'm just not going to cut any slack for Nick Sweeney. I don't know Nick, I've never met him. I'm just looking at his work. So I've watched this film that he made. I think um it's a terrible smear job on a woman who can't defend herself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the context. Uh, listen, writing to the network or writing to Nick Sweeney and demanding that he lets you see the unedited footage is probably not going to happen. So just FYI. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, context matters. So here's the context for Nick, uh, his, his past titles. He's got AKA Jane Rowe. Uh, then in 2017, he's got a movie called The Sex Robots Are Coming. Okay. <laughs> 2016, a TV movie called Transgender Kids Camp. So you know you know how this is going. Right. 2015, he's got a TV miniseries mini called Born in the Wrong Body. You know, you, you know what that's about. Wow. And then 2014, the first one that, credit, that shows up on the IMDb for him is called Secrets of the Living Dolls. In this one, and let me just read the uh, the summary for it. I'm waiting for. Are you sh- are you sure? <laughs> for the <laughs> is it family friendly? I don't know. No, you know, well, based on these last titles, a remarkable behind the scenes look at a hidden subculture: the secretive world of female masking, where men transform themselves into dolls by squeezing into elaborate elaborate rubber second skins. Oh my word! Okay, so this is the man who's telling you this story. He's, yeah, I'd rather is, not. It, you know, it, it's probably it's probably a good thing that I didn't look at that first. That's why because, I didn't want to tell you <laughs> because I would not have even watched AKA Jane Rowe. Okay, so so I would say this, and and Nick, if you're listening to this, I don't know you, and and but I'm I know your work, 
and by their fruits, you'll know them. Absolutely. If you look at my work, I've got things on there that I'm not necessarily proud of, but there were my first film was one that was rated R because it was very vulgar. After that, they've gotten considerably better. Well, this there, is one, two, three, a, four, five a, in a row. There was a good <laughs> shift in right. there where things changed dramatically right. and you saw where the Lord came in and said, er, don't think so, Mark. Exactly. And you see you see this large time gap between <laughs> right. those and what we're doing now. Right. Nick is just on a on a gangbuster roll of doing this kind of work. So um the fact that Norma is not here to defend herself, that there was this enormous amount of time that went by while they gathered all the other interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that can take some can take some time, but it doesn't take that long. No. And he's obviously able to get funding from somewhere some, from somewhere. Yeah. So um, there is a lot of conflicting information. He claims that he didn't pay her for the interview. Norma told Father, Father Frank, Frank the a text day message of, that said she is getting that paid. That said she was so. getting paid for the interview. Uh, there's a whole other discussion there. You yeah. know, we purposely do not pay people for interviews because we want we don't want it to be tainted to where it looks like we're paying them to say something. But in one more quick example of that, when we do you remember when we were being interviewed by the German television network? Yes. And when the Klopfer story broke last fall and the German television network came in to town and they wanted to interview us about our conversation with George Mm -hmm. (laughs) and every question she asked, she kept getting a big face full of Jesus, right? Because she would ask, (laughs) well, what about this? And it was always back to, well, because we're believers and blah, blah. And she would stop us. Oh yeah, we got stopped. She kept stopping you and saying, okay, stop. My audience doesn't, they don't relate to that. Can you say this? Right. And then she, we would start again and you'd talk about Jesus well, again just, and she'd hey, stop you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, you know, it's one of those things where once you have experienced a complete life change because of Jesus Christ, you cannot help but share that same love with other people. Right. It's the same love that we showed the abortionist George Klopfer. It's the same love that I will sit down and share with the German television network and interviewers. Listen, I I love you as a person. I may not agree with you, but I'm going to extend the same grace that the grace that's been extended to me. Right. You know? So my my point with that example is that um you don't know in the interview process you know what's being said or how, how they're being prompted how they're being prompted mm-hmm. when we do interviews we try very hard to we don't even give people questions ahead of time we just say we want to <laughs> no. we want to talk to you about this yep in general and then we sit down and and you're the better interviewer than i am by far and you just say, so tell me about this. You just have a conversation yep. and I watch with the camera and that's how we get such good stuff. Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like if you sit and watch Inwood Drive, it's a conversation we had with the abortionist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he speaks for himself and everyone else in there, all the other interviews. Listen, I just want the truth. Yeah. I just want the facts. Just give me those things so that I can make a a educated decision based on the facts that I have. Exactly. And, and evidence available. Yeah. And I think everybody, is, especially in the Christian and pro-life community, everybody's tired of being lied to. We know we're being lied to. Oh, absolutely. We know everything has got a spin to it. 
I guess to wrap it up, AKA Jane Rowe, um, uh, I don't recommend it for really anybody. It's if you've got a, if you've got a strong stomach for the foul language, uh, there is a lot of interesting, um, interesting truth in there. It's not a truthful film, I think overall, no. but there's, there's a lot of interesting, uh, things where they basically, they're, they're not even trying to hide anymore that they used her, that they, they left her when they were done with her. Yeah. Um, and I think an interesting point in the end was they have footage of her funeral and who did you see at the funeral? Mm-hmm. It was the Christians. It was yep. those who she supposedly hated. You know who I didn't see there? I didn't see any of the pro-abortion people. I didn't see Gloria Allred there. Right. I didn't see the abortion counselor there. I know Father Frank was what about, there. What about the lawyer that used her to get Roe v. Wade passed? Right. I didn't see her there. Yeah. I, you didn't see any of them. So don't talk to me about who used who. Right. right. Don't talk to me about who cares about who. You pro-abortion people, you don't care about anybody. That's evidence from the very beginning. You don't care about them in the womb. I You're not going to care, care about, about her at death. all. No. They didn't care about her at all. They used her and they waited. Nick waited for her to die so that he could make it unopposed. Right. I pretty much guarantee that if he had made this film while she was still alive, she'd be suing him right now. Probably. So <laughs> there you have it. There's... That's my review of somebody else's There's film. AKA Jane Rowe for those who, who asked. I'm not criticizing. Yeah, I am critical of the story. It's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Try again, Nick. If you enjoyed this podcast and have a better understanding of looking at films with healthy skepticism, feel free to shout out this episode with your friends. And of course, brace yourselves for the slant of AKA Jane Rowe if you plan on watching it. Also, I've linked the explicitly pro-life conversation with Kristen Hawkins and Father Frank uh, that we mentioned here in this podcast. That's going to be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to see what a pro-life documentary looks like from a Christian perspective, you can check out our new documentary film, Inwood Drive. That's also going to be linked into the show notes. So we hope you have a blessed day and I hope you're encouraged and continue seeking the truth. 